When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Wookiee scene is my favorite thing. It's my favorite thing in the holiday special and my favorite thing in the film because it's just so wrong in every respect. And like watching the movie, you can see, every, you watch with the crowd, you feel everyone kind of like clench up and then they have the sense of release once they're like allowed to laugh because they don't know if it's okay to laugh or is it supposed to be creepy? Happy Life Day, everyone, and welcome to the Dagobah Dispatch. We are celebrating Life Day because it is the holiday season, and that means it is time to celebrate, not sure that's the right word, the Star Wars Holiday Special. And celebrate we shall because we will be talking with Jeremy Kuhn, one of the directors of the new documentary on said holiday special. It is called A Disturbance in the Force, and it is awesome. We'll get into all that. Plus, we also have some very interesting Star Wars news to discuss, courtesy of a new Adam Driver interview. And how much would you pay for some famous Star Wars props? We'll tell you how much someone paid for those props. It's all coming up on this week's edition of the Dagobah Dispatch. I am Dalton Ross, joined by the mala to my lumpy, Devin Kogan. What's going on, <laughs> Devin? What, what an introduction. That might be my favorite one yet. I should have done it in all Wookiee. I should have just done it in complete Wookiee speak. <laughs> no subtitles here. Hashtag no subtitles. Tis the season. I mean, I have been thinking about rewatching the the Star Wars holiday special. Tis the season, man. You have you've been threatening. You haven't been thinking I, about it. I have been, been threatening. threatening to to rewatch it one of one of these days. Well, you it, know, it's it is December. I'm in the mood. I'm I in know. The, in, the, in the spirit, the life day spirit. Well, we're in the spirit. We're we'll going to be talking about Jerry, Jeremy Kuhn in just a little bit, the, uh, one of the directors of that, that fabulous documentary about it. But uh, you mentioned it, holiday season coming up here. Uh, what are the big plans for you, Devin, over the next few weeks? Uh, I'm going to be traveling. I'm going to be seeing some family back in St. Louis, Missouri, which is where I was born and raised. So I'm excited. Hopefully get a little bit of uh, cold weather. I don't think it's going to snow, but um, you know, living in Los Angeles, I do miss the, the cold weather. I like visiting. And then I like coming back to Los Angeles where it's nice and warm. So that's that's my plan. Wow. Rub it in for us East Coasters here. I know. I keep trying to get you to come to visit. You yeah. always talk about how you never come visit Los Angeles and you never come to California in like the zillion years you've worked at Entertainment Weekly. Yeah. So one of these days, we got to get you out here to visit. I'm trying to maintain a, an air of mystery about myself there in the LA office. I'm just like this enigma. <laughs> I'm like a Yeti or a Sasquatch. It's like, is he real? Is he not real? Like I hear him on a podcast, but I've never met him. Like, who is this guy? Look, we've hosted this podcast for 80, 80 episodes or so, and I'm I'm still not convinced you're not a figment of my imagination, Dalton. Is that true? Like, let's bring Sammy Junio in here for a second, our crack producer. They slacked us recently saying that I believe it was our 80th episode. Am I, am I, or did you slack that like four weeks ago and I forgot to mention it like a month ago? What happened? No, no, it's true. This is our 80th episode. Oh, wow. How about that? Yeah, congrats. We did it, babies. Wow, we did that's, do it. That's pretty impressive. I can't. I can't believe we're we're already there. That's exciting. Um, well, you know, I encourage everyone, as I always do, go back and listen through our archives. 
We've got a lot of incredible interviews. And also, speaking of uh, the holiday special, which we'll be talking with uh, Jeremy Kuhn about in, in a little bit, we did a huge deep dive last year on it. So if you want to hear our thoughts on the holiday special, just uh, go back a year. Last December, we we uh, hit it and we hit it hard, uh, Devin. It's, it, you said we had thoughts and we, we, we have a lot of thoughts. Many, well, many thoughts. L- as we do a little housekeeping before we get it, and then we're going to talk some Star Wars news before we get to our interview. Just want to bring everyone in on our, our text chain with Lauren Morgan, which is very active, very <laughs> active text chain with our former co-host. I'm in the, I, I'm just sitting around minding my own business, minding my own beeswax, Devin, when all of a sudden I start getting a flurry of text messages from Lauren, who apparently is at the supermarket. I don't know which supermarket. I know she lives in Bloomfield, New Jersey. She could be at the, at the shop, right? They're on Broad Street, could be somewhere else. I don't know if she's a Costco gal. I don't know what she's doing. But all of a sudden, she starts sending us pictures of all these Star Wars plushies. So like Star Wars characters in plushie form in these, like, you know, like for little kids, stuffed animals, probably for like a a four or five-year-old. So she sends us all these photos and, you know, we're commenting back, ha ha, like, oh, very cool. And I kind of make a joke like, oh, which one are you going to buy? Ha, ha, ha. And then she does buy one of them. She buys an Obi-Wan Kenobi plushie. I don't know what she's going to do with it. I don't know why she bought it. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know if she feels like she's cheating on Shop Disney by buying something at ShopRite. But she has herself a new plushie Obi-Wan Kenobi, which I understand her husband is absolutely thrilled about, Devin. <laughs> Always, you know it. Um, yeah, no, I mean, Lauren actually has young children, so it makes sense to to buy many small. That's her know. excuse, Devin. I know this game. I've played this game. I've ch- I know this game. I I invented this game. I invented this game of like <laughs> pretending you're getting something for the kid when it's really for yourself. You know that's what's happening here. Absolutely. Also, I'm so sorry. This is not my cat. My neighbor's cat is on my balcony, just wailing. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can hear it. I wish we could. You sure okay. that's not the lo- Loth cat? Is, no, is that Sabine's cat? I wish. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> um, no, but, you know, that's that's kind of why I want to have children someday. So I can just be like, great. Now I can buy all of the things that I wanted as a child that I my parents never bought for me. It's a license to buy. And it's a get out of jail free card with the spouse. I mean, God, I played that every angle. My wife's like, why? <laughs> what is this? What is this at at doing in our house? I'm like, oh, it's for Dale. Like, he totally is going to love this thing. <laughs> no, it wasn't for Dave. It was for me. Uh, so anyway, she also has tons of Star Wars inflatables in her yard. There's like a land speeder. There's various droids and other things happening. That is very impressive. I am very impressed by her her holiday display. But I still I still think she needs to get a little Life Day representation in there. I yeah. think you need you need a, a Chewbacca in a giant red Life Day robe. Well, maybe after listening to today's podcast, that is exactly what what she'll do. Um, other housekeeping we want to get into, obviously. Guys, we love connecting with you all. Find Devin, find me on social media. We're hanging out there. We, we put this podcast, it's all over the place. You know, you can listen to it wherever you want. But if you do listen to it on Spotify, we put a poll up there every week. Now, last week's episode, I assume everyone checked it out. Uh, it was our interview with Hayden Christensen. If you missed it, just hit pause on this now. Go listen to that. The Dark Lord of the Sith joined us last week. It's a, it's a great conversation. You guys will want to hear it. So... In honor of that, our poll last week was, which Anakin appearance did you enjoy more, Obi-Wan Kenobi or Ahsoka? 
Well, and we had more votes on this poll than we've ever had on probably every poll combined. (laughs) (laughs) Just like people wanted to weigh in on this one. And I was really surprised by the results. Uh, 84% said Ahsoka they enjoyed more. Only 15% Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then there's that missing 1% that always drives me crazy. But uh, Devin, listen, we all love the world between worlds and it was amazing. But I, I was surprised that we didn't uh, get more for Obi-Wan Kenobi just because of Darth Vader, that scene where the helmet goes on his head and you see his just gross face, the the great uh, flashback training fight with Obi-Wan, but uh, only 50% went that way. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not surprised. I, I would have also voted for Ahsoka, I think. Um, and I think it just is really a testament to Hayden's performance in that episode where he's sort of playing like every version of Anakin Skywalker. He's playing, you know, kind of the Matt Lanter, charming Clone Wars era. He's playing like the, you know, um, you know, kind of like grizzled mentor. He's playing the Anakin who has, you know, kind of like returned to the light side and had that emotional, you know, reunion with Luke and his big sacrifice. And he's had, you know, um, it, it just sort of, and he's playing Vader. So it, it's it's kind of a really a showcase to his performance and, and kind of, you know, 50 years of this character, you know, throughout his lifespan. So it's a really, I, I, I think it's a really extraordinary performance. Whereas, you know, I love a lot of the stuff that he gets to do in Obi-Wan. To me, he is the the highlight of that of that series. Um, but I, I really, really love getting to see him in, in Ahsoka. Yeah, and that's, you probably just hit the nail on the head in terms of why everyone voted Ahsoka because, if you ask anyone what was the best episode of Ahsoka, it's episode five, the World Between Worlds episode with him. So that's on uh, our EW just put out our list of the best television standalone television episodes of 2023, and that is on our list. Yeah, yeah. So it's a good good point made there in terms of that. Uh, listen, you can also connect with us. You can always leave us a voicemail anytime you want. Anything you want to react to on the show or anything Star Wars related you want to get our, our take, be it hot or ice cold on, just give us a call at 657-799-1566. That number is 657-799-1566. A few other things just want to go over here with you, Devin. Some some news on an interview that uh, we did not do, but someone else did. The Rich Eisen Show. Do you even know who Rich Eisen is? I do not. Okay. He is a, he is a big football guy. He's an NFL network host, and uh, he hosts a podcast. And he's really – I've met him before, and he's a super nice guy. He's really into pop culture. So he has pop culture people come on his show as well, and like Adam Driver, who's out you know, promoting a new movie. And Kylo Ren came up on this podcast. And he talked about how the original plan over the course of those three sequel films, Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker, that the plan for Kylo Ren changed a lot. He said that Kylo was never supposed to sort of soften up and be redeemed as Ben Solo. And actually, the original plan was the opposite, that he was supposed to become more evil during the trilogy. And so he said on the podcast, J.J. Abrams walked me through what he wanted to do with the character. This is before he signed on to play him. But you had to sign up and be like, I'm going to do it. And once I did that, I went to London to star for, start for pre-production. And it's like there's a tiny room down the hall. You, you can go in there and read the script. And so I was reading it for the first time. I had an overall arc in mind that J.J. wanted to do. His idea was that Kylo's journey was the opposite journey of Vader. 
where Vader starts the most confident and the most committed to the dark side. And then by the last movie, he's the most vulnerable and weak. He wanted to start with the opposite. This character was the most confused and vulnerable. And by the end of the three movies, he would be the most committed to the dark side. I tried to keep that arc in mind, regardless if that wound up not being the journey anyway, because it changed while shooting, but I was still focused on that. So Devin, I want to give your get your take on this original plan for Kylo. And also, as we've always talked about, the sequel trilogy issues, whether you love Last Jedi or hate Last Jedi or love, you know, the JJ films or hate the JJ films, I think everyone agrees that the the whiplash back and forth between directors just played creative chaos on this whole process. So what do you make of what Adam Driver's saying here? Yeah, I mean, I think this isn't a surprise. It isn't really new information. I think we knew from the beginning that th- there's been such a back and forth with what they wanted to do with with Kylo Ren. And on one hand, I'm of two minds, right? On one hand, I think the biggest weakness of the sequel trilogy, and I've gone on record saying this many times, is that they didn't plan it out. They didn't, you know, have an idea where the story was going. I think it would have been overall way more successful if they had sat down and and sort of, you know, plotted out here's where the three you know films are going to go here's where we're going to start and here's where we're going to end that isn't to say you can't adjust things along the way but like some sort of rough outline i think would have really helped now at the same time i'm a big fan of of you know discovering things during the performance i mean i think it's no secret to say that people were so charmed and so taken by by adam driver's performance in this that i think you know he does lend a lot of sympathy to that character and i think it does you know make him a more interesting character and so i can see like you know once adam got on set and sort of seeing what he was doing with the performance saying "Ooh, what if we tweak some things i think perhaps the greatest example of that is oscar isaac is poe dameron this is a character who was supposed to bite the dust in like the first 15 minutes of the force awakens but oscar isaac's performance was so interesting and charming that they decided to keep him around and he became one of the main leads for the three films that's an example of like a good pivot and a good like changing while you're in the production process. The stuff with Kylo though, I think you've just got two very different filmmakers with very different ideas. You know, you've got JJ who apparently wanted to start with this, you know, he's going to start very conflicted and then grow to be, you know, even more committed and evil. And then you've got Ryan Johnson who is more interested in like sort of this like flickers of redemption. And like, maybe he starts to, you know, uh, form something new with Ray, but then kind of like ends up even more committed at the end um, of the last Jedi. And so it's just, it's just, the result is messy. There's no, no coherent kind of character arc. Um, And that's one of the things that's really frustrated because frustrating to me, because as much as I, you know, kind of rag on the rise of Skywalker, particularly, I really like Adam Driver's performance in it. And I really like his performance in all three films. And I, I, I think he did the best he could with a very, messy, messy, you know, kind of arc. Yeah, I I agree with you on him in The Rise of Skywalker. And for me, I'm more forgiving of that film than you and Lauren are, I think, largely because of that. Largely because of that. And um, yeah, well, just because of that. <laughs> no, yeah, it's seriously. And, you know, a lot of my problems with that film, you know, can't be helped. You know, the Carrie Fisher passing away, you know, before production and, and, you know, things, things happen, but I just, and, but I really, really do like Adam Driver's performance in that. And I think it's really moving and, you know, really there's, you know, I, I, I really like him. Yeah. All Breaking right. news, Adam Driver yes. talented. He's a good, good actor. <laughs> Who knew? 
Who knew? <laughs> really? I just did you watch him on Saturday Night Live recently? He's always really great when he's on Saturday Night Live. Oh, when it, they have guests, so it's good. like the writing on Saturday Night Live has not been very good lately. So it really comes down to just how much does the guest host commit? Like just commit and go all in to like the goofy, bad writing and characters. And he always goes all in. Uh, love that show. He treats every SNL sketch like he is back at Juilliard. And it makes me so happy. He has some of my my favorite. Uh, he's one of my favorite hosts in the last couple of years. I'm obsessed with him. Yeah. All right. So other news I just want to hit you on. We're going to play a little game, Devin. It's going to be we're going to quiz you here a little bit. Ooh. But we're going to make it a little easier. So there's another big sort of like Hollywood auction that just happened. Julian's Auctions and TCM presented Hollywood Legends. And they had a bunch of days of their auctioning off lots of stuff. There's a lot of Harry Potter stuff that was auctioned off. There's a golden snitch up in there and all this stuff. But there were also some Star Wars items that were auctioned. Three in particular. Now, I'm not going to ask you to guess how much they went for because that's kind of impossible. So what we'll do instead is I'll tell you the three items and you can kind of tell me, rank them in terms of what you would want. And that would sort of also maybe lead to what you think would think would be sort of the order of what got the most money, right? Like okay. what went for the least amount of money? What went for the most amount of money? Yeah. And you guys can play along as you listen as well. So here's uh, uh, item number one that just went up for auction. An original production used DL44 blaster prop as used by Harrison Ford as Han Solo in The Force Awakens. Okay? Uh, okay. So it's a, Han, it's a Han Solo blaster from The Force Awakens. That's basically what you got there. That's option one. Option two. Original bowcaster weapon prop used by pa- Peter Mayhew and Jonas Swatmo as Chewbacca in The Force Awakens. So you got the Han Solo blaster. You got the Chewy bowcaster. All right? Option three. An original helmet prop as worn by a member of a Mandalorian covert in the first season of The Mandalorian. So it's a Mandalorian helmet. It's not the Mandalorian. I don't think it's Jin's helmet, but it's one of the other people and sitting there, you know, in his little underground bunker. It's one of their helmets. All right. So those are your three options. Harrison Ford Blaster. Chewbacca bowcaster or a Mandalorian, not the Mandalorian, but a Mandalorian helmet. Put them in order from most desirable to least desirable, AKA what you think went for the most money, went for, what went for the least. Uh, so most to least, I think the order you just set them in. I think number one is gonna be Han Solo blaster. Number two is gonna be Chewie's bowcaster. And number three is gonna be random Mandalorian's helmet. Do you wanna even give any sort of stab at what they went for? Oh God, I can't imagine. Yeah, no, I no, feel it's, like it's uh, Han Solo probably went for a lot. Um, just because I think Harrison Ford, people, that's a, one of the most iconic characters of all time. Um, Chewie's bowcaster, that's rad. I love that. I mean, I love Peter Mayhew so much. And um, the Mandalorian helmet, I mean, people really love Mandalorian, as do I, but I think, you know, anytime you can attach something to an actual, like, named actor, I think that just jacks up the price so much. So I, I think that's right. my guess. Hopefully, Sammy is going to add lots of very dramatic sound effects when I reveal if you're right or wrong. You know, there's going to be like Drum a roll. buzzer sound or a ding 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 or something like cheering going on. We'll see. All right. So, cash register noises. Exactly. It's all happening. 
So you think the least, the one that went for the least amount of money was the Mandalorian helmet? Correct. All right. The one that went for the least amount of money was the Mandalorian helmet. Very good. Well done. That was correct. What can I say? The uh, the estimate they were estimating, and they always put the estimates low. The estimate was six to eight thousand dollars. It went for twenty six thousand. Twenty six thousand dollars for a random Mandalorian helmet. For a random Mandalorian helmet, or is it called a random Lorian helmet? <laughs> a random Mando head, head uh, helmet. Uh, also, to much. whatever Star Wars nerd is spending twenty six thousand dollars on a Mandalorian helmet, and if you have that kind of money, are you single? Are you looking for a Star yeah. Wars obsessed wife? Like I, I'll. Hit me up. Yeah, I've got my <laughs> Boba Fett helmet upstairs now. Granted, I think I paid like forty nine bucks for it, not like twenty six thousand. I can I can go to Toys R Us and yep. you know buy one. Do it up. All right. So this is what it comes down to. You think the next, the number two spot is occupied by the Bowcaster, the Chewbacca Bowcaster, and you think that the Han Solo blaster prop went for the most. That's correct. All right. So the second highest item was the Han Solo blaster. Oh, Devin, so sorry. We have a great bottle of turtle wax for you. Thank you for playing. But no, that came in second. The Han Solo blaster from The Force Awakens went for $29,250. That's not a small chunk of change. And then the bowcaster went for $32,500. So they're all kind of relatively close, but I'm with you. I'm not paying 26 grand for a helmet if I can get a Harrison Ford held Han Solo blaster for 3,000 more. Yeah, I feel like the the star power is really what what pushes that up. But no, that makes me happy. I, I love Chewie and the bowcaster is is rad as hell. So that's that's really cool. Uh, real quickly, I uh, want to just mention a few things. I got some Star Wars books. The other day, these Ooh. aren't these aren't like fiction narrative books. These are like you know they do all these like weird like character guide books and things like this. They'll, I love like, them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so there's two new ones that just came out. Just making everyone aware of these. There's one called I'm gonna, I'm doing a little show and tell with Devin. I'm sorry you all can't see us, but I'll hold it up for Devin at least to see. Ooh, it's called Look at that called, cover. Yeah, it's called <laughs> Dawn of Rebellion: The Visual Guide, and it's got a picture of a uh, you know, Cassian and Obi Wan on it. It's basically kind of like character guides for like mostly characters from the recent Disney Plus shows or, you know, there's some video game stuff, things like that. So it's kind of like, hey, we're giving you character guides. You probably already have them for the movies. These are ones from more the the TV shows that have happened. It's pretty cool. Uh, there's a whole, as I sent you guys a picture over the weekend, there's a, a lot of stuff on the Inquisitors and there's a spread on all the different Inquisitors, giving background on each one. And it's kind of, what I like about it is that as it lists all the Inquisitors and has profiles on each, this is combining TV show characters, video game characters, and book characters. So it's kind of cool that you get them all sort of in one place. The other one that just came out is called the Star Wars High Republic Character Encyclopedia. And for any idiots like me who are reading these High Republic books, this is very helpful because they've got like a bazillion in one of these, Devin. And like, in all different forms. I'm just reading the adult books, but there's YA books. There's like little kid books. There's comic books, all sorts of things. So this is a good place where like when someone randomly, I don't know if like I do this all the time in stars where like there'll be some random Jedi mentioned 
that you'll kind of know is in one of the other books you haven't read. So all of a sudden I'm on like Wikipedia trying to like look up this person. 100%. So now I can go into this handy dandy book and see for myself. It's got profiles on every single person. So I love that. Uh, I always love that kind of like visual dictionary. And I, I think God, they came out with some like visual dictionaries kind of not quite in the same format, like in the nineties. And I remember going to the the um, library and pouring over all the, the star Wars ones. Um, no, I, I love stuff like that. I'm the nerd who, whenever I open a new book and they've got like a map in the, in the front oh, or yeah. a character guide, I'm like, yes, let's go. I love like, supplementary materials i love appendices like it goes back to reading lord of the rings and reading the appendices or or you know when i as a little harry potter fan reading the fantastic beast textbooks like i i love that kind of nerdy world building stuff um is the visual dictionary is that like pablo hidalgo i know he's done the yes the rest of that yes it is yes it is the dawn yeah. rebellion visual guide pablo hidalgo yeah. exactly there's there's some cool um i i love some of the the visual dictionaries and, and encyclopedias that they've done there's and there's always like such fun weird little details like there's one where it's like po, like a diagram of poe dameron and it's like his perfectly tussled hair and i'm like it is perfectly tussled <laughs> i'm so glad that that is like uh you know put in stone in the encyclopedia I, i've got tons of these and like they overlap like I, I'm one of these, I'm so low rent. Like I'm one of these people that uses books to prop up my laptop. Like I don't have an official <laughs> laptop stand and I'm literally using the complete Star Wars encyclopedia. It's this massive compendium of books that came out in like, I feel like the early 2000s after the uh, prequel trilogy. And so uh, I just got too many of these things happening. All right. Um, last thing I want to say, I, I gave some some fake news last time. I said we would be yeah. off for two weeks around the holidays. The good news is we're only going to be off for a week, we think. So we think we're only going to be off for a week. So we won't have uh, an episode between Christmas and New Year's, but we should have one at the beginning of January on the 4th, the 5th, whatever that is. And do we want to say who we have on that show, Devin, or not? Um, yeah, I think we can Why probably. you reveal who we got on our next show? Yeah, we well, we just spoke to Hayden Christensen, which you can go back and listen to that episode from last week. And up next, we are going to have Ahsoka Tano herself. We are going to have Rosario Dawson stopping by. Um, she's obviously been on the show before, but this is the first time we've gotten to talk to her actually now that the show is out in the world. And she has uh, some interesting things to say. So to stay, stay tuned for that one. Yes, that is our New Year's gift to you. So uh, very excited we'll have Rosario. Should be that first week of January, uh, unless something with our schedules uh, gets in the way. But hopefully we will be back a week earlier than we anticipated. So um, put that in your stocking. All right. Uh, we have our conversation with the Disturbance in the Forest director, Jeremy Kuhn, who reveals a bunch of like insane facts about the Star Wars holiday special. You do not want to miss it. And you don't have to miss it because it's coming up right after this quick break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, our guest this week has uh, co-directed a documentary on the making of the infamous Star Wars holiday special that aired on CBS in 1978. We did a huge deep dive on this ourselves about a year ago, so I encourage everyone to go listen to that in, in our, our archives. But Jeremy Kuhn has outdone us uh, in a big way. He and Steve Kozak directed an entire documentary on said special. It is called A Disturbance in the Force. It's available to watch right now on all digital platforms. You can rent it for five bucks. You can buy it for 10. It's on Blu-ray, DVD, all that stuff. However you want to watch it, it is well worth it. And he joins us now. He also, by the way, I just want to mention, he directed this incredible other documentary, Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made, which I absolutely loved. Uh, how's it going, Jeremy? Thanks for being here, man. Oh, great. Thanks for having me. Uh, I, I knew I had to have you. As soon as I heard about this movie, I was like, all right, we got to have this guy on because I was one of those people that had the old VHS tape back in the day and uh, was trading it around with other people. Uh, you, you got some pretty big Star Wars fans that listen to this podcast. So I, I think they're all familiar with the fact that the Star Wars holiday special exists. Uh, but this documentary begins by explaining why it exists, which is maybe a bigger question. And I think my favorite quote comes from Seth Green, who says, the Star Wars holiday special may well have been created out of spite. Uh, do you want to explain uh, that to our listeners, Jeremy? Yeah, so we get, we were really happy to like come across this tidbit it's something we didn't feel. We, it took us a while to kind of piece it together, but... Charlie Lippincott, who I feel is like the doesn't get the credit due behind Star Wars for the marketing plan, talks about a meeting that Lucas had with the head of Warner Brothers at the time. And he was just like, Star Wars is going to be gone by Labor Day. You guys are toast. You should figure out what your next thing is before it's gone. And Lucas, Lucas already had a history of this executive because he had this is the executive that recut TXX 1138 and really ticked him off. So he already didn't like him. And uh, so George leaves the meeting furious. He's like, you know what, we're going to do whatever it takes to promote Star Wars. Because typically back then, a film would die at the end of the summer when kids went back to school. And this, all the variety shows. So their idea was like, we're going to keep marketing in September uh, to prove this guy wrong. And their way of marketing that was on all these variety shows. So like Donnie Marie, uh, Richard Pryor, Bob Hope, like all that was basically to prove Frank Wells wrong. It, you know, we just, uh, the timing's funny because just a few weeks ago, we actually did an entire episode about the that Donnie Marie show episode with the big Star Wars finale extravaganza. And, and once again, you went one step further. You got Donny Osmond to talk. So yeah. what did, for those of uh, our listeners who just heard us talk all about Donnie Marie for way too long, what did Donny Osmond himself have to say about that whole ex bizarre experience? Donnie's awesome in the sense that he has enough time has passed where he can look back on it and like he can still be embarrassed about it, but he has a sense of humor. Like he knows like it's not very good, but it's what it was. But I mean, we didn't expect it to be kind of profound as it was, where it's kind of like, yeah, everything ages poorly. So if you look back on it and you look, the, the idea was like, you need to look at this, the Star Wars holiday special in the context. And in the context of the time, the Diamond Marie show is not that bad. It's hilariously bad now. Like it's actually, I prefer it over the special because there's more bang for your buck in 12 minutes. <laughs> and of course, the common thread being Bruce Valanche uh, in both those things. Yeah. Uh, what, so just as you're putting this documentary together, what was the reaction from people when you put out an interview request to talk about this thing? My favorite reaction is Kevin Smith. Because I, I started the interview off, typically like, oh, thank you for doing this. 
He's like, oh man, I would have been so mad if I hadn't been in this movie and you hadn't even bothered to ask me. He's like, I need to be in this movie. And that's kind of what a lot of people feel like they have this nostalgia for the holiday special. And it's so like the fan base is so great that uh, I'm just amazed by how supportive all the fans are. Because uh, we know through normal channels, this kind of film is not going to get made. Um, what about the people that actually worked on it? Like, like when you go to Bob Mackie, Bob Mackie's a big deal. Like he's a big deal in his in his world. And and you go and you say, hey, we don't want to talk to you for this whole huge career retrospective or this other incredible work you did. We want to talk about the Star Wars holiday special. He was another one who just had a great sense of humor about it where I feel when you get a certain age, you're just happy that anyone cares about anything you've done. Much less, I mean, so few films last 45 years that people even still are, can acknowledge it or see it or even want to talk about it. So I think for them, it was just nice. They loved having someone talk to them about something they worked on, even at the time they didn't think it was that special. But the fact that a lot of people cared about it meant a lot to them. What can you say, Jeremy, just sort of like for those that have seen the things on screen, what about the people working behind the scenes? Like, to, What can you say about the team, uh, the dream team, as it were, yeah. that put together the Star Wars holiday special? Because it's an odd confluence of different sorts of people. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, you basically have this fight of like TV variety and Star Wars film people kind of like painting together. And it was just never going to be a mix, no matter what the situation was. But the other thing is like they, they got the best people to do this. It wasn't like they got cheap. I mean, they spent like a million dollars. They got Smith Hemian, who was like A-level variety shows that did like, you know, Barbara Streisand, Elvis, everything. And the thing, the problem on Lucasfilm's side is that at some point, like he was all about Empire. Like he was getting ready for Empire. He had leveraged everything. His own money was on Empire. And if Empire wasn't a success, we would probably, we would not have Star Wars, what it is today. So like this was maybe seventh or eighth on his list. And he was just kind of doing it as a favor to keep it in the zeitgeist. But the people who were working on it, a lot of them was just another variety show. Like the same people worked on Bob Hope that worked on, you know, uh, Brady Bunch Variety Hour. Like for them, this was just another show at the time. But the people who was fun to talk to, the people who were 20, they were like PAs or like on set uh, vividly remember because they were huge Star Wars fans. But if you were like 40 or like 35, you weren't really the Star Wars demographic at the time. So for them, it was just like another show. <laughs> well, so there were there. Tell us about what happened with the original director, David Akamba, and how why that didn't work out. And then tell me what it was like uh, when you tried to reach out to him to get him to be part <laughs> of your documentary. <laughs> Yeah, so David Akamba was a classmate of George Lucas at USC, and they were friends. And he was like, George wasn't going to direct this, but like brought David in. And uh, to, to David's credit, so David was on set for three days, probably three of the hardest days. But they did like two 24, like 20 hour days and burned through tons of money in overtime. And depending on who you ask, he was quit slash fired. He claims he quit and like faxed in his resignation, but he was going to get fired later that day. So, you know, it's they're both true. Uh, but yeah, we reached out to him and he does not have a sense of humor about this. He does not like that. This is what he is known for. Uh, we we have a phone call with him where he's just like, Hey, do whatever you want. But like, I'm not, uh, I'm not interested in talking about this, but we, we do have an interview that he gave for a magazine article that was recorded. So we have the audio of him doing an interview in 1988, uh, 1998 for the 20th anniversary. Uh, so he, he is still represented his point of view. And, and one of my favorite things about this special is that, he quits is slash fired 
And then they get Steve Binder, who, you know, that's probably a name that's 99% of people, they don't know what that means. But this is the guy that did the Elvis comeback special. This was like yeah. a real pro, like really highly respected person in the business. And he did talk to you guys. Oh, yeah, yeah he was great, too. He, so he's a family friend of my uh, co-director, Steve Kozak. So that's how that was an easy get. But he's actually still proud of the special because in his mind, he was brought in as a fireman to just salvage it. Cause at that point before he was, he's also, like you said, he's like the Spielberg of variety specials at the time. Like you couldn't have gotten anyone who was a bigger director in that world, but he was brought in to basically land the plane and like the plane was still a mess, but like he did his job where they had something they could actually air. Cause before he came, they, they didn't have something they could put together. Uh, did you even bother approaching George Lucas uh, for to, 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 to talk on this? Yeah. Cause there's no chance he's going to do it, but I guess you got to put the ask in, or maybe you just didn't even bother. We kind of like did like a, a thing, but we never heard back. So it's not like we were like heavily aggressive, but like you said, we kind of, uh, yeah, I mean, we just knew he was not going to get an interview. And I was also kind of worried about, you know, if he did do an interview, what if it's just a bunch of yeses and nos, and he's kind of doing it with, because someone twisted his arm. <laughs> <laughs> so I always thought the two oddest things about this special, which you guys get into in pretty deep detail, the, the, the two things that really just still I'm scratching my head. There are large swaths of this special that are spoken entirely in Wookiee without subtitles. That's one. And two, there's a scene that basically involves the grandpa Wookiee watching virtual porn in the family living room. What what can you tell us about both those decisions to put those uh, into the film? It was just way ahead of its time. No, it was just like, <laughs> uh, I mean, those, those are the two take. I mean, other than like Boba Fett, which is all people, the cartoon everyone talks about yeah. being the best thing. These are the two most recognizable things and that everyone, when they watch it, is what they talk about it. Because like, I didn't make it 15 minutes the first time I saw it because I'm just like, this, this is the whole special, just Wookiees making noises. And... I guess Lucas at the time was a purist, but that was something that was very important to him was to show the Wookiee. He wanted to show a Wookiee family. And for some reason, Bruce Valanche says because at the time they didn't put subtitles on TV, which I think is also true. But Lucas really wanted to be a pure like, no, these are these are like mimes. It's an art. You should be able to communicate and know what they're talking about. And uh, yeah, like we have we have the other thing Charlie Lippincott is, you know, meeting where Lucas goes and talks about basically what became the genesis of the holiday special with the Wookiee family, like two years before it's, it's like a year before star Wars even comes out. So it's kind of nice to like hear, it's just strange to hear him talking about this idea. And like, if you read further in the transcript, like David Allen Foster is not very supportive of this. He just thinks it's like, <laughs> oh, it's, he's like politely, like, I think that might be, a, <clears throat> that might be hard to do, but the Wookiee, but the Wookiee porn scene is my favorite thing. It's my favorite thing in the holiday special and my favorite thing in the film because it's just so wrong in every respect. And like watching the movie, you can see – you watch with the crowd, you feel everyone kind of like clench up. And then they have the sense of release once they're like allowed to laugh because they don't know if it's okay to laugh or is it supposed to be creepy or it's just – and I've always loved that scene because I'm just – we, Diane Carroll passed away, not that she would do an interview, but she passed away before we could interview her. And she's the one on the other side of Itchy with his erotica. <laughs> and so that was shot without knowing what was on the other side of that. If you read the script, it's not entirely clear what she was doing. I want to know at what point she was told, uh, <laughs> yeah, she was being, you know, exciting to Wookiee but by her aunt manager. This that conversation I would have loved to have had. <laughs> Can you explain the ending to this film because it ends in life day with all the Wookiees 
like walking on like a space bridge or something into some giant orb, like almost like they're walking to their death, like they're part of some cult. Like, what does this mean to you? Like, can you explain it? That's what makes it so amazing. I mean, Taron <laughs> Kilm has a line about it where it's like it's like a cult going to their death, where it's just they drink the Kool Aid and they're off into oblivion. But uh, I think it was a cheap way to end the show too. I mean, because like Steve Bender talks about, they had no money for the end of the set, and they had to get they basically just bought a bunch of candles to kind of make it look like there's some atmosphere. But like all it is is candles. When you look at them walking, it's like a bright light, and then candles kind of laid on top of it, like repeated over on like this poor video. But yeah, I, I sadly, we did not get the bottom of that. I think it's just that that's going to be one of the mysteries that you just have to go along with. <laughs> I don't even think there's anything to get to. Like, I don't, yeah. I think it's what you just said. It just like, literally had no idea how to end it. And it just, I, I don't know where they're going or what, <laughs> what happens when they get there. Yeah. And if they come back. Or yeah. If, <laughs> if they ever come back. Um, all right. I want to get, ask you about a few of the things, uh, Jeremy, that, that are sort of, that people say in these, in the, in your film. Uh, in the documentary and, and and what you make of that. So what do you make of this claim by writer Lenny Rips, who plays a big role in your doc, who says that George Lucas showed up for one day and told the writers that Han Solo was married to a Wookiee and that they could nod to that, but they could not actually say it. It's because people weren't ready for it at the time, is what <laughs> he said. The, uh, that's the moment because like Lenny was like the second or third interview we did. And when he said that, it was kind of like a record it stopped. I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, because you just kind of threw the line away. Like it wasn't as ridiculous as it made it sound. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, that's another thing I don't know how to explain. I mean, I don't know if George was kidding with him or if he was serious. I mean, there is other comics where Han has connections to Wookiees. So I'm kind of led to believe that it's that at some point it was true, but it became too ridiculous to pursue later on. A love connection, apparently. Yeah. Uh, all right. What can you tell us about this mysterious treatment of the special that you said was uh, sitting around that apparently involved Raquel Welch? Yeah. So uh, Ralph McQuarrie and his archives after he passed away, they found a five-page treatment for the holiday special. And there's debate over who wrote it because no one wants to claim it. Uh, it's funny in the Star Wars archives book, they said that Lenny Rips and Pat Prof wrote it, and Lenny Rips adamantly denies he has anything to do with it. And it, it, so we actually feel we kind of feel that like what happened was is it was George's ideas dictated by someone else in the meeting that he had with Lenny Rips, or it was given because it was give, Lenny said it was given to them as a way to like start. But yeah, it has what Raquel Welch who. George Lucas is the right age to be a fan of Raquel Welch because it makes sense. Lenny Rips, like, it was just like we would never, if we put a, you know, hot celebrity in, that would not be our pick because it's just not our generation. Uh, so I thought that was funny. But yeah, it's just weird. Like, she like dances and like somehow tells people how a spaceship works by through dance. And it's called the Starship Musica. So it's like <laughs> everyone's on the ship going off. It's like a big floating party, like Star Destroyer. Uh, and like, it's it's basically like, the whole th the main the main storyline is uh, Chewbacca looking for Lumpy who's lost because Lumpy went on a, an adventure and you know they don't know where where uh, he is. But it, it, but in many I ways, I smell it feels sequel, good. Jeremy. I smell yes. sequel. Yeah, one can only hope. I mean, but it feels very George Lucasy, and like it actually fits more in the Star Wars world than what ended up happening. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's alluded to in your documentary that 
that Cher was maybe somehow going to be involved in this thing. What do you think the level was there? Was this just they were kind of pie in the sky hoping to get her? Or, or they? In, do you think they were in talks with Cher? Uh, how far did they, did they go down the Cher road? I mean, she was on board enough that Bob Mackie designed the dress for her. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I assume she wasn't signed, but like, yeah, I mean, that, one of the reasons Diane Carroll was brought in was because she was the right size. So they just put, they could just transfer Cher's costume to Diane Carroll. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I, I guess we made a mistake. We never reached out to Cher to get her side of the story. <laughs> if she was just, this is a disaster, I'm not going to do it. Or if she just had a, my, my guess is there's just a scheduling conflict. Because a lot of these variety shows are just who's available. Like, oh, like Robert Corman's got a couple of days. Bring them in. Let's just, let's use them. Like that's that's just the way it worked. So Cher would have been doing like the the VR Wookie porn then. Yeah, which I, I can you imagine how amazing that would be if that was Cher. <laughs> like, <laughs> so do you do you believe the rumor? that gets has been passed down that Robin Williams was almost in the holiday special and that they didn't want him. People we talked to said it's true. I mean, it's another thing. Like there's another, there's another rumor that like they were going to do a Wookiee TV series right. and that this was the prototype. And I actually think that that's, it's like kind of true, but mostly not true. I think it was just kind of executives like, Hey, if this is really successful, we should just use this again. We should look into it. And then the thing was such a bomb. There was never, nothing ever happened past the conversation. Uh, as far as Robin Williams though, I mean, David Acumba was very clear that like he wanted Rob Williams in the special and just it got shot down. So, I mean, I'll take him at his word and then other people have talked about it. But yeah, it's that's another thing that like if you had Cher and Robin Williams, like the special would definitely have been more interesting. I think I'm not sure it ever would have been good, but it would have been would have been interesting. <laughs> so, I mean, like you, you you talk about this in the documentary and it's so true how, you know, Star Wars fans are for the most part, kind of collectors, right? Geeky collectors like myself. And the fact that it was so unavailable is kind of in a weird way what's made it such this holy grail for fans to talk about. So I guess what what I'm asking, Jeremy, is do you think Disney Plus or should air this or they should put it out on Blu-ray or DVD? Do you think, I guess the question is, do you think they will and do you think they should? Uh, as long as George Lucas is alive, I, I can't imagine it's ever going to be out. I, I think there's some, this is still a touchy subject with them, believe it or not. I mean, like we, when we approached Lucasfilm early on and kind of the answer we got is like, this is too hot for us. It's too soon to tell the story, which after 45 years, <laughs> just thinks a little ridiculous, but it's, uh, yeah. But I think what you said though, what makes it special is that it's not like, if Dis I feel like if it's on Disney plus, it actually kind of ruins the fun a little bit. It's like. The fact that it's kind of irksome to like Lucasfilm, I think, is also what kind of makes it fun among fans. It's not that they hate it or disown it; it's just they kind of prefer that it would go away, and like that just kind of encourages fan base to like bring it up. And like the people who grew up with the people who are the right age when the holiday special came out are now making Star Wars content, so they're dropping it. Like Dave Filoni and John Favreau are dropping it in Mandalorian. There's stuff in Andor. Like it's just these little kind of like winks and nod Easter eggs that I think is a really fun thing just to kind of have. And I think if it was readily available and out there, it kind of spoils that a little bit. Uh, I know you've got a seven-year-old. Have you showed your seven-year-old the Star Wars Holiday Special? I have not. He is not that patient. <laughs> I mean, I, my wife's not that patient to sit through it. I mean, it's not – I mean, I'm not – I've had to watch it seven times, and each time it's like for work, it's a slog. Like if you actually watch the Holiday Special from beginning to end in one sitting without shooting fast forward, like it's 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 tough. Like – 
people who love it or nostalgic for it, like we love them, but it's 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 a hard slog for most people. <laughs> what's the what's the hardest part to get there? For me, it's the Starship performance. What is it for you? To me, it's more like getting momentum. It's getting over that like 15, 20 minute mark where you're like on the other side of the Wookiees where there's no dialogue and just like, all right, I'm doing this. Uh, to me, the most boring stuff though, uh, Art Carney, I know is super talented, but like that uh, when he's in the shop with the Imperial Guard, whatever. I mean, that's just so corny and so slow and so bad. Like that's probably my, the Art Carney stuff is probably my least favorite things in the holiday special, just because I don't have any kind of affinity for him because I didn't grow up with him. <laughs> well, hey, listen, uh, the, the Star Wars holiday special is a tough watch, but uh, a, a Disturbance in the Force is a great, super fun and super funny watch. And uh, you can check it out, like I said, for five bucks, you can rent it. You can buy it for 10 on all digital platforms or get it on DVD uh, or Blu-ray. Jeremy, thanks so much for hanging out with us today, man. This was awesome. No, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Our thanks to Jeremy Kuhn for hanging out with us this week. And we appreciate you hanging out with us as well. Like all year long, it's been amazing doing this podcast. And we love doing it uh, for you guys. Uh, we'd love it if you could please take just 30 seconds to subscribe to the podcast and rate the podcast and write us a review. We don't ask for a lot around here, but that would be super cool of you. Also, leave us a voicemail message about anything you want. Just call us and say what you got to say at 657-799-1566, and you can be part of the show. You can also connect with us on social media by following Entertainment Weekly on all socials. It's at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag and follow us directly using at Dalton Ross and at Devin Kogan. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll do it all over again next year. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch Podcast is hosted and produced by Dalton Ross and Devin Kogan. Produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening and may the force be with you.